This is the Let's Do It Better podcast, bringing you all the tips, tricks, and science behind how you can do business and life better. Don't do more, do it better. We're starting in three, two, one. Here we are. We are back again, Johnny Cass. How are you, mate? Are you ready for this one? Dave Morris, as always, you know, super excited, super pumped for this week's episode. Now, this episode is about how to be one of those 8% of people who actually achieve their goals. That is such a small number, and it's surprising that it's so small. Yeah, absolutely. Like, everybody talks about goals, but to think that only 8% of people actually achieve their goals is interesting. Yeah, so, and a lot of it this is, and we're going to be talking about this today, is that we get caught up in this thinking that the goal is the outcome. But what we're going to unpack mm. today is that the goal isn't the outcome. So we're actually going to take a look at, well, what are goals actually for? Yeah, and today's episode is not only about how do you as a business owner, as an individual, maximize your performance, but most importantly also how do you get your team to maximize their performance, not so we can just hit bigger goals, because everybody wants bigger goals, but so that we can hit our goals more often, more consistently, and most importantly, have the people around us feeling good and thriving. So Dave, let's get into it, mate. Let's do it. Everybody has a different point of view when it comes to goals. I know that I certainly do as well. Some people love goals. Some people are religious about them. And quite frankly, some people are like, nah, goals, hate them, don't do them, don't set them. So, you know, Dave, today's topic might even be a bit controversial. Yeah, and we talk too much about goal setting, I think, and it's it's not really about the process, but that's where people tend to place this importance. Now, we're not going to be talking about goal setting. That really comes down to five principles. And if you want to know how to set goals properly, we're going to put a link into the comment into the bio, I think, the bio, into the bio. Somewhere like that, yeah. It'll somewhere be here like somewhere. <laughs> Go and take a look at it. That's going to tell you how to set goals properly. But what we're going to be talking about today is what's actually behind whether we achieve goals or not. It's our own perception of our own self-worth. Not that it's going to be higher or not that it's going to be lower, just that it's going to change. I want to talk about that a little bit today. What I'm really interested in, what I'm fascinated is what's happening behind the scenes. Why is it that there's only 8% of people who actually get their goals? And more importantly, how can we be more consistent in hitting our goals? And this is all about understanding what stops you from achieving those goals and the important people around you, what stops them, your team, your loved ones, what's getting in the way of us achieving these goals? Because what do we think, really? We, we look at a goal and we set it and we go, yeah, I should be able to do that. That's not too hard, right? Most of the time we haven't set goals wrong and, and it's not the fact that you're not committed to them or that you're lacking a plan, right? What we know through the research now is two big reasons that we don't achieve goals comes down to either perfectionism or procrastination. Now, there's two really big, powerful words. Whenever I'm speaking and presenting in front of large groups, I always say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Being a perfectionist actually can really slow down your momentum, not give you that competitive edge by just trying to be freaking perfect all the time. It's actually quite frustrating. And this isn't unique to you, right? We've got a client, and I know you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about when I talk about this. They're an absolute sales superstar, right? Absolute. One of those ones that just knocks it out of the park, has those closing ratios that you find it hard to believe. But they're a perfectionist, right? And they've hit a little bit mm. of tough times in the last little while. We're back on track with them now. But what we sort of dug into and, and why this is happening is perfectionists, they tend to set goals that are extremely high. And then they put in maximum performance, maximum effort into this. But the thing is, they base their 
own self-worth over whether or not they achieve those goals. So if they're not hitting those goals, then it starts to take a bit of a hit on their self-worth. Now, if you think about some of the language that you just used there, like every business owner, everybody wants somebody who's putting in the maximum performance. Everybody wants somebody, you know, who sets extremely high targets. But, you know, I love what you were just touching on there is, you know, if you're a perfectionist, it ends up impacting your self-worth and you just get this really inconsistent outcome. It can be demoralizing, leaving somebody feeling devalued. And that's not really powerful goal setting, right? No, because a lot of the time what happens is we always want to keep moving forward. Personally, we want to be getting better. We want to be leveling ourselves up. We want to be pushing ourselves. But a lot of the time, the way that we're making plans of how we behave is based on the personality that we want to be and not the personality that we actually are. So you need to stop and think, well, okay, what's my actual personality type and what can I be doing with who I am to be able to help myself achieve these goals? And one of the things that we know about perfectionists is they're really, really, really effective on these short duration tasks, these things which only happen for a short period of time, but they require you to be maximum effort. So this could be like a sales pitch, a boardroom meeting, presenting on stage as well. It's those things where I can come in, I use up a lot of energy, but it's really short duration. And we know that that's where perfectionists are good. And when we try and maintain that maximum performance over a longer period of time, it gets harder and it gets harder. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have maybe even worked with someone like that or had somebody on their team that was like that. Again, those really short bursts. But if they don't get their outcomes, you know, it really does have a negative impact on the way that they perceive themselves. Again, that very sporadic up and down. In fact, sometimes it can leave them feeling even, I hate to say it, a little bit depressed for want of a better word, because they place so much of their own value value and their own self-worth in the successful accomplishment of those goals. Now, on the surface, that sounds pretty cool, but it can also be quite problematic, right? This is all about how this impacts your ability to achieve goals. So if we look at this, not being able to achieve those goals, it negatively affects your own self-worth, your perception of what you're worth. And this is where the cycle starts because when we go to achieve, and this is the research telling us that when we go to achieve a goal, and we've got a lowered sense of self-worth, it makes the possibility that we're going to be successful in achieving that task lower. So we've got less Mm. chance of actually achieving the task. Now, when we approach a task with less chance of achieving it, and then we don't achieve it, we get another hit to our self-worth. So then, of course, the next time that we try to achieve this task, we've got less of a possibility of achieving it. We get in this cycle where we get trapped in this downward cycle and it's exhausting. And for perfectionists as well, we know that the outcomes of getting in this downward cycle is that they get disengaged, they suffer from emotional exhaustion. And Mm. it's just like, well, how do I get out of this funk? You know, how do I get out of this thing that's really not making me all that excited to turn up and do what I need to do and achieve my goals? Yeah, it's interesting, Dave, because, you know, you and I have multiple conversations with many of our clients that find themselves in this situation all the time. So whether it's them or whether it's their team, they're always talking about, you know, how do we create that consistency in getting our goals as much as possible? And as we've just said, a lot of people will have their self-worth attached to the successful accomplishment of their goals. And we know it's a fact. I mean, think about it. The better you feel about yourself, the better you do, the better you 
do, the more charismatic and enthusiastic you are about business and life. And the more charismatic and enthusiastic you are about business and life, the more opportunities that come your way and the better you do. And it creates this upward trajectory, this upward spiral. And I can definitely think of times when I've been in those situations. I can think about getting our clients back on a track with those situations. But I've got to be honest, the inverse is exactly the same as well. If you ain't feeling good about yourself, you're not doing really well. If you're not doing really well, well, you're not really enthusiastic about life. And if you're not enthusiastic, no one wants to hang out with you and you get less opportunities (laughs) and it creates this downward spiral, right? We've all been in that place there. So we want to keep moving upwards. And this reminds me of, I saw a, a video a few weeks ago about ants, right? What? <laughs> right, bit of a bit of a tangent, <laughs> but ants very, very rarely can get themselves into this death spiral because ants, are, they don't see very well and how they follow along each other is they smell the pheromones of the person in front of them. And that's why you often see ants moving in this line. And this is how we think of goal achievement. It's all about us moving through this process and following on from the last thing all the way to the end. But what Mm. happens sometimes is the ant at the front of the line can start to follow the ant at the back of the line and they just end up in this circle where they're just going around and around and around and around and they die from exhaustion. Like they actually just all die from exhaustion because they, they can't snap out of it. We're going to cover that a little bit later. But first, Johnny, I want to talk about procrastination as well. Oh, procrastination. I just want to say right now, Dave, that I personally believe a couple of things, actually. Number one is that procrastination is the silent killer of most business successes. And I love that analogy you just shared about the ants, man, because I think that most people or a lot of people are trapped in that perfectionistic procrastination cycle going around and around and around, right? I want to be a perfectionist. I'm not succeeding, so I'll procrastinate. And they're just doing a lot of stuff, but they're not actually going anywhere. Yeah, exactly right. And procrastination is a great example of this. Like I spend Mm. so much time worrying about doing the stuff that I never actually do the stuff. And there's two different types of procrastination. There's avoidant procrastination and there's indecision procrastination. And these are pretty self-explanatory, right? So avoidant procrastination is where we avoid the work. Indecision procrastination is where we go, "Mm, I can't decide which way to go. Look, and I think everybody can relate to that. And I think it's really important that we all understand that a lot of us actually suffer from one of those two types of procrastination. You know, we also know that, you know, getting something done, it's always the last 10% that's the hardest. When you're starting any goal or any race, you're out the gate, you're running really hard, but that last 10% is also what ends up letting us down. So we've got avoidant procrastination, indecision procrastination, that word there, and um, (laughs) trying to get that last 10% completed as well. And here's the thing about that last 10%, because you've hit the nail on the head. We're not actually avoiding doing the work. We're avoiding finishing the work because when we finish that task, that's when we impact our own self-worth in some way. Now, we don't know how. We don't know if it's going to be good for us or it's going to be bad for us. But just as humans, we've got anxiety around that change, around the accomplishment of the goal, which is why that last 10% seems to take a million years, because We know that we have to do it, right? We know that we're going to have to do this work at some point. But what we're actually doing is we're trying to delay the finishing of the work because when we delay it, what happens? We end up rushing through it at the end. We end up rushing through it at the end. And when we rush through something, we give ourselves this little escape where we say, "Mm, I had to rush through that. So this isn't a true reflection of what I could do. And we're protecting ourselves from that change in self-worth because I haven't been able to give this my complete effort. So it's not a real reflection of myself. So it's all about self-protection. 
Man, I absolutely love that because remember we started this podcast today about saying what's really happening behind why some people don't accomplish their goals. Wow, that's so powerful, Dave, because some people ultimately don't want to finish their goals because they don't feel so good about themselves. If they don't successfully accomplish it, it reaffirms I'm not as good as what I think I am, so therefore I'm never going to finish my goal. Yeah, so I'll just delay it to a point where I then have to rush it and I give myself an excuse of why I didn't do it as well as I thought I could. So it's not that you're necessarily unmotivated or that your team are unmotivated. It's just that we're fragile ego human beings and we're trying to protect that fragile ego. Exactly right. And this is where we need to shift our thinking around goals, right? Like I said earlier, the goal is not the outcome. The goal is the motivation. It's the fuel that drives us to the outcome because you're not leading a goal. You're not managing a goal. You're leading a team. You're leading a family towards that goal. So the goal, it's just the finish line. So once you've set it, forget it really to an extent so that you can then start to focus on the people around you that you need to be driving towards that goal. So for a business leader, I'm going to say this again because it's so important. For a business leader, the goal isn't the real outcome. Getting everybody to achieve that goal is the real outcome. And they may sound real similar, Johnny, but they're not the same thing. So whether it's you or it's somebody in your team, you need to focus on the self-worth of those people to be able to keep them motivated and drive them towards that goal. The goal is just there to motivate you. And I absolutely love that, Dave. And I really think that's a critical piece that, to be really honest with you, a lot of business owners miss. And we have to highlight that for them when we start working with them. Because, you know, a lot of business owners are like, I'm busy. I've got my own thing going on. I don't have the time to be supporting and managing and leading my team around me. We should set a goal and they should be able to go out there and do what they need to do to get it done. But we ultimately want a team that's flourishing because it comes down not just to the individual self-worth, but it comes down to the collective self-worth of the team so that they're thriving and we can work together to successfully accomplish that goal, not just go off and hope that they're going to make it happen. Exactly. And we are going to move on from this idea of self-worth pretty quickly. But before we do, because people think this is complicated, right? But there's actually some really cool tricks to get this sort of stuff happening and to get that thriving team. And there's a really cool one that's been studied over the past couple of years that I want to share with you, Johnny. And that is the power of the selfie. What? What are you talking about? I mean, I'm talking about goals, Dave. What the hell has a selfie got to do with goal setting, dude? <laughs> so, there's been studies come out over the last couple of years because obviously selfies are still pretty new in terms of us as a society using these, right? We tend to think that selfies are a bit narcissistic, but what we're finding out is they're actually really great at helping us to create our own self-worth. And the reason for that is they let us control our own image and they let us share that image, which is really us showing self-love. They let us share that with other people in a way that we want. So a selfie is actually a really great way to control your own self-worth. But where are you going with all of this, Dave? Come on, we're talking about business outcomes. We're talking about profitability and revenue. What do you want my whole team to now start taking selfies of themselves? I mean, I don't need permission to do that, but (laughs) hey, so where are we going with this? So what I'm saying is the way that we think about goals, it needs to be updated, right? We need to stop Mm. focusing on the outcomes and we need to start focusing on what's going to help the people who are getting the outcomes because achieving goals, it comes down to our relationship with our own self-worth, which means that as a business leader, you need to make sure that your team feel empowered and that you're helping your team take control of their own self-worth. 
All right, all right. So I guess selfies is just one way, one example of doing that. But it's a, like we were just saying about creating a, a thriving environment, creating a thriving place where people can grow and flourish and have meaning and purpose and feel some sense of achievement in their work. Yeah. And, you know, a group of people who do this really well is millennials. And millennials tend to get a bad rap, right? They get a bad rap for mm. being entitled and all of these things, but it's not entitlement. It's empowerment. You know, these, these guys are out there taking selfies every day, putting them up on social media. They don't care what anybody thinks about them. I work with a lot of millennials. I learn with a lot of millennials and they are mm. some of the kindest people out there. Like they don't care that I'm an old dude sitting in a classroom with them. Like they will come mm. out, they will talk to you. They will help you. They will take advice. Like they're great. And mm. I think a big part of it is they're a generation that's learned to take control of their self-worth and the fact that they're taking control of their self-worth is letting them achieve things they're starting to be one of the most successful generations of actually just getting shit done and this is a big part of it is because they know how to achieve their goals because they're taking control of that self-worth i love that conversation actually because sometimes i know that we can look at millennials and we can see them as arrogant and it's not that they're necessarily arrogant they just have a good sense of self-worth a good sense of self-identity they don't really care what other people think about them and ultimately it's what you think about yourself that matters. All right. So Dave, let, let's just shift gears a little bit here, if we could, please, right? Because, you know, it's all well and good that we talk about having a self-worth and feeling good about ourselves and going out there and accomplishing goals. But let's be really honest. You know, one of the other really big challenges that we hear a lot and, you know, whether it be yourself personally or working with our clients is that people always say to us, I've got competing goals. So I might want to go out there and accomplish these goals, but I've got family goals. I've got personal goals. I've got lifestyle, business, financial, sales goals. There's so many competing goals. I might still feel great about myself, but I'm just not getting anything done. Yeah. And you know what? Let's even look at, let's take that a step further because we might have long-term strategic goals, but then we might have things pop up in the day that become an immediate urgent goal. And this isn't, I'm not even talking crazy things in the business world. This might be something like I need to get milk today, you know, something really simple that it's just going to take 15 minutes out of your day. And that could throw your whole routine out of it. So it's like, how do we keep on track and how do we balance out all of these competing goals? Well, there's a few things at play here. So let's talk about what's happening in our brains and what's fueling these goals. Because when these immediate goals pop up or competing goals pop up, the other things can fall off the end. And the reason that they'll fall off the end is they're not visible. So first of all, visibility of the goals is so important because setting goals and keeping these goals visible, it actually alters our brain structure and it, and it alters the way that we start to perceive our environment. Now, your senses, which is like sight, hearing, touch, all those ones, right? They work as inputs for what's called your reticular activating system. Now, this is basically a filter for your brain on everything that you sense and observe. It basically tells your brain, this is the information that you should be paying attention to. So by mm -hmm. setting goals, it facilitates this behavior change because that reticular activating system starts to notice things that are relevant to your goals. So as you go about your day to day, it's like, oh, that's important. Oh, that's relevant. Oh, I should be paying attention to that. And the only way to do that is to get them visible. And disruption of either of those things means it's going to be disruption for your goals. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good point there. And we've talked about it in some of our previous podcasts because one of the biggest challenges that we have, God, I'm going to sound like an old person here in modern day society, is that <laughs> there's a lot, lots of different things that are fighting for your attention. We're constantly being pulled in different directions. So I love that really important point there around making sure that you always have that goal as your center focus, that anchor point that you constantly keep coming back to to keep you on track. Yeah, and we we hear a lot about accountability these days as well, like make sure somebody's holding you accountable, send out messages to people, speak to people about all of these things. It's it's not truly about accountability. It's it's about visibility. So it's about keeping those goals visible, keeping them top of mind so that everything that you do in your day is starting to feed you information on and helping you achieve those goals. Yeah, and again, coming back to our earlier point, like if you if you set yourself a, a difficult goal, we like to feel good, so we sometimes go and attend to those smaller, less important goals, like going out and doing a task that's not relevant, getting that hit of dopamine, but we never get around to actually accomplishing what we call those big rocks because there's a lot of stuff attached to it, failure, self-worth, expectation. So we do lots of little things, but we avoid doing the things that really matter most. And something that can really, really help that is this idea of cascading goals. And we use this a lot. And that's about, and that's about a couple of things. You know, it's about taking that big, 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 big goal and breaking it down into as many small little tasks as you possibly can. And then you need the output. So whatever the outcome of is, say, goal one, that needs to be the trigger or the input for goal two to start. So everything keeps moving and pushing everything along all on its own. And when we've got little deadlines and everything all around that, it just keeps everything moving forward. And how we actually implement them in our business is if we look at the from the top all the way at the owner, all the way down to the technician, it's like that owner up the top, they need to have those big goals, but then they need to break it down into the senior leadership team, into the management team, into work packages for those technicians and those individuals. So not only are those cascading goals helping you drive through the entire goal achievement process to achieve those big, hairy, audacious goals, but it's also helping you push them through your business so that everybody always knows what that role they need to play in order to get shit done for the business. Yeah, and this is where some business owners can quite frankly get really unstuck. So there are some business owners that do all the planning and the strategizing and never do any execution. And then there are some business owners that do plenty of execution without any planning and strategizing and taking that leadership role. And again, when we work with our clients, it's about shifting from that operator mindset to more of a business owner mindset, creating those cascading goals and making sure that we're leading that through the entire team. Yeah. Here's the three things you need to know about cascading goals. One, figure out what the big goal is. Two, break that down into as many smaller goals or as many tasks as possible. And three, make sure that the outcome for each step becomes the input or the thing that's needed to start the next step. Do that and your goals will start to feed and they'll start to water themselves. Have the outcome of each step become the input. So could could we give a specific example around that, Dave? An easy way to think about this is sales process, right? So this is a a really easy way to think about this. It's like 
And we do this in sales a lot already. It's like we get an inquiry. Well, what's the goal for, for me to move that inquiry through the sales pipeline? Well, okay. Right. My goal of an inquiry is not to make the sale, right? That might be the big goal. So if we look at a sales process, we break that down into the little steps that we're going to be working somebody through. So it might be initial inquiry, quick conversation. Then it might be product information. We might move to a demonstration. We might move to an appointment. We might then move to another presentation. We might need a pitch. Who knows, right? We can always look at shortening those sales cycles. The important thing here is when we get that initial inquiry, we're not trying to close the deal right then because that's never mm. going to work, right? Yeah. What our goal is is to move them to the next step. So cascading goals in a sales process would be my first inquiry, my goal here is to book an appointment, for example. Now, when I book an appointment, that then starts that next series of goal achievement, which might be have little things in it like, we're going to send them out some information. We're going to do this. And then again, that goal, that output from the appointment might be to book a, a, a demonstration, for example, right? So we think of it really easily in sales, and that's a, a really simple way for us to get our head around it. But we should be applying this to everything in our business, and you can apply this to everything in your business. So it's always about what's the next step in moving it forward? What's the next step so that we don't have to be consciously thinking about it? But whether it be in the sales side of things, the invoicing side of things, like, I mean, it's even some of our clients when it comes to invoicing, you know, I remember working with a client of ours and between when he was doing his work and actually invoicing was like a six week period. And we put this process in place with them. And we're like, well, as soon as you finish the conversation, as soon as you've done the job, send the invoice right there and then don't wait till the end of the day to get home because yes, batching might be useful, but he wasn't actually following through with it. So again, if it's not working, do something different. Dave, we're coming to the end of our podcast today. What's the action plan? I know we've thrown out a lot of little tips and hacks and strategies today. What's some real tangible stuff that our listeners can take home today? So the action plan is all about getting into that 8% of people who achieve their goals. One thing that we want to protect ourselves about here is getting ourselves out of that downward spiral and getting ourselves back up into that upward cycle as quickly as possible so that we have confidence, we have control over our self-worth so that everybody around us can keep on achieving their goals and moving everything forward. So I'm not going to tell you to go out and take a bunch of selfies. Right? <laughs> that will help. I think maybe you should think about it. <laughs> I don't need an excuse for that, Dave Morris. You know that. <laughs> but I want to introduce you to this idea of what we call the learning log. Now, the learning log is something that is so important as a team, so important for organizational development, because it's somewhere, and this this is attached to all of your goals, and it's somewhere that we go in and record what works and what doesn't work. And this is, sounds really, really simple. And I know everybody out there is going to be like, yeah, I've heard this before. Great. You've heard it before. Are you doing it? And most of the time, Ooh, yes. the answer is yes. no, I'm not doing it. So this yep. is all about let's do it better. And this is how you can do it better. So what you need to do here is once you set your goals and yep, you need to learn how to set your goals properly. So again, we've got the five principles. We've got our template. We'll post the link for that. Go and have a look. And then it becomes about you being able to motivate people to achieve their goals and stop and overcoming anything that's not working. So you build this into your process. So you should have a process for your goal achievement. You should have time set aside to do it. And as part of that time, right on the end, put a little five-minute block where it says update the learning log. 
and we go in there and we simply write what worked because at the end of everything, we're going to have something that worked and something that didn't work. We write down what worked and what didn't work every single time we engage with this goal. And what this learning log does is this becomes a discussion piece. This becomes something that we talk about at our team meetings. We talk about in our one-on-ones. We look at it. We review it because the way to get back into that upward cycle is we need a different approach. We can't just go and try to do the same thing. So we sort of need to cover off everything that didn't work. So we're motivated again and we feel good and we're going towards this approach with it with a new mindset, with a new level of confidence. And the only way to do that is to address the old stuff. You need to put some energy into supporting your team. You need to put some energy into creating a thriving culture and an environment so that they can be one of those eight percenters. And it's not as easy as set and forget. And creating a supportive environment is one where we actually foster collaboration and transparency and have those honest conversations about what is working, like you were just saying through the learning log. But most importantly, allowing your employees to also share with you what's not working and most importantly, come up with a plan around it. I remember Warren Buffett that once said, you know, in his annual meetings, he was like, don't tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working because it's what's not working that's going to kill us. And most people are just trying to save their jobs and save face. But if we can be really open and honest, then we can actually make some progress and achieve those goals. That's exactly right, Johnny, the learning log. It's all about the learning log. Let's keep on moving. Johnny, have you got a mindset moment for us? You know, I do have a mindset moment. It's one of my favorites. It's a poem from Rudyard Kipling. It's a little extract from that. And it simply says, treat triumph and disaster for the two imposters that they are. I'll say it again. (laughs) Treat triumph and disaster for the two imposters that they are. I love that one because most of us just get addicted to the triumph. We feel really good when we're accomplishing and we feel really great when we're succeeding. So we only get addicted to those good feelings. But when we in tough times, we try and avoid those. But we all know that there's so many golden opportunities of growth in the tough times as much as what there are the wins. And we know that everything's only temporary. So enjoy the highs and push through the lows. Absolutely. All right, that is all that we've got time for this week. But next episode, Johnny, we are talking about how you can stop waiting for results and how you can make them happen faster. Now, we're actually going to dig into our faster framework on how we get goals done really, really fast and how we make massive transformations for our clients in a really short space of time. So this is going to be about how you can get good information going in and how you can be developing your skills, developing your resources, developing your capabilities a lot faster and choosing those things that are going to have that massive impact. Oh, that sounds like it's going to be a pretty powerful episode, Dave Morris. Until then, I'm Dave Morris. And I'm Johnny Cass. Now, what are you waiting for? Let's get out there and do it better. See you later, guys. Thanks, guys.